You're listening to The Real Reading Podcast. We apparently live in a society where people who go to festivals need to be told that putting their sleeping bags down the toilet is not a, not a very good idea. Did you ever watch that programme, uh, Hunted, on Channel yes. 4? Yes, that Did was you brilliant. Did see the yes. one where the guy came out of Reading Station yeah. and chased him all through Reading, yeah. all along the canal, and eventually caught him at the funny Yes, ground. that was brilliant. Hello! And I'm Tom Canning, and welcome to episode 36 of the Real Reading Podcast with our special guest, Alistair Coleman, from Angry People in local newspapers. Um, Alistair is a uh, internet phenomenon, I would say. Uh, would you agree with me, Hugh? I would, yes. His yeah. Facebook page, Angry People in Local Newspapers, is an absolute blast. Um, more on that in a moment, however. Um, Jeremy has something to say to us. Get in touch with the team. Find us on Twitter at Real Reading Pod and search Facebook and Instagram for Real Reading Podcast. You can also email getreading at reachplc.com. So, Alistair, our special guest this week, is uh, he's, he was, he's sort of from Reading. Um, he works for the BBC, but he also runs this, uh, web, this Facebook page called Angry People in Local Newspapers, which is full of people pointing at things. Is that fair to say, Hugh? Yeah, potholes and bins are his, um, his, uh, <laughs> his, his basic, basic uh, bread and butter. But yes, angry people getting really annoyed about things and where they live is generally, generally uh, how he rolls. Rach, do you know about angry people in local newspapers? I think yeah, we we talked about we briefly it talked about week. it last week. Yes. Yeah. I was off to interview him. I have now interviewed him. I've just kicked the microphone, which is really useful. So we thought he might like a picture of me pointing angrily at parking spaces. Yes, he wasn't interested. He wasn't interested, no. okay. He's <laughs> got his head, I've got loads of those. Oh. Um, so yes, he's also got a book out, so uh, part of the reason for, for talking to him was, uh, you know, because he's got a book out, but I also followed him around Reading a little bit, went to Waterstones, watched him rearrange the books, which was quite a lot of fun. Um, so we'll we'll have an interview with Alistair later on. Um, just wanted to do a bit of admin, just a little bit. Uh, as you may know, we're not always the best at uh, being organised and having... You can just end that sentence. We're <laughs> <laughs> not always brilliant at having things in the bag. Well, currently we have two interviews coming up in the bag. We've got an interview with the guys at Double Barrel Brewery, and we've also got an interview with the guys at Hickey's Music Store on Friar Street, which was really, really great. I'm uh, looking forward to that one. It's, it's quite a long interview, so um, we'll do our best to not say quite so much in the build-up to that, uh, so that you know you get plenty of time with those guys. From my visit to Hickey's, we've also got a lovely new bit of kit, which is a microphone stand, which means instead of sitting on a table and Hugh tapping away at things, um, we now sit in a nice, some nice comfy chairs and have got a little microphone in between us. It's lovely, isn't it, guys? I can Very professional. I can still tap. Yeah, please don't. I've already kicked the microphone, so if we could avoid doing that, that would be amazing. Um, okay, on to what we've been up to this week. change the order Hugh well as I mentioned may have touched upon last week just mm, I don't recall yeah mm, I believe it's all yeah Mm. yes my partner um, is uh, now running her own business in Southern Common Heathen Watkins I'm going to pretend that I don't know anything about them yes old fashioned hardware store Um, and I'm not going to talk for too long about it but what I have learned and been doing mostly in the last week or so is that running your own business is 
quite time consuming. It doesn't just kind of stop at five o'clock. No. Was that a shock? <laughs> I kind of knew, but I, uh, I didn't quite realise I'd be pulling up floor tiles and scraping off the glue that holds them onto the floor at like seven o'clock on a Sunday night, which is what I was doing. I, I feel uh, doing last last weekend. I feel um, like I need some video of this because I just don't believe it. <laughs> I've learnt a lot about myself okay. during this process. <laughs> Have you found yourself? I ha- pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I've been on a been on a really interesting journey. Not very long, not very long journey. But a journey, <laughs> journey nonetheless. I'm like it's like the X Factor journey. It's been right. a couple of months so far. And you really found yourself. Yeah, yeah. 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 Grown as a person. Oh, definitely grown as a yeah. person. Um, but yes, so that it is interesting. All relative, is it? Is it quite relative compared to? Is it just what? <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Um, so carry on. Yeah, so that that's mainly what I've been doing, and um, the latest escapade in our business lives was the we had to delay opening the shop this morning because our cat was sick all over our bed. Oh, yeah. Oh so, dear. So this was at about half past eight. Shop opens at nine thirty. This needed dealing with and so you had an hour at nine at nine nine right. a.m okay. so this needed dealing with and so the shop wasn't able to open on time so because my missus was uh scraping sick off the floor what were you doing at this point i had to go to work okay <laughs> so you didn't start work till 10 i had to get ready for work oh, i God. was on my way i feel like i don't want to delve too deeply no, into this anymore um rach you have been feeling a little bit uh, festive. Just, oh, you're going to say the, the word. No, I'm, no, I'm not going to say the c word. No. No. Well, it's sort of against my better judgment, really, because what <laughs> I'd quite like is kind of like a two-week window over the actual day where Christmas goes mental. Yep. And that's it. So. For me to even be feeling vaguely Christmassy whilst it's still November is against my better judgment. But um, so if Hugh's allowed to go on about the shop, I'm going to mention uh, choir again because oh, we just changed the name. Started right. practicing uh, the Christmas songs this week, and we all had to wear Christmas jumpers, and um, we actually went round. Everybody had to say whether they how they felt about Christmas which was quite interesting because only about half the room went yeah love it and then some <laughs> people were, I, I really hate it I wish it's just a waste of time um but I've also been getting a bit crafty making a few uh, bits and pieces ready for Christmas and decks and a few gifts and things like that so I think this is what happens when you become a parent I think you, well it's because you... I can't go out anymore yeah. I've got to occupy my <laughs> evenings with <laughs> crafty things or watch EastEnders so <laughs> <laughs> can I just refer to our anti-Christmas correspondent who is glaring at me at the moment because clearly <laughs> got, he's clearly was? got I an issue either because, the side of me <laughs> either because I cut him off at the eyes. end of his uh, chat about his shop or he's just anti-Christmas and I'm going with the latter because I, there's I no way he could possibly not, be annoyed with I me. am under no circumstances anti-Christmas but <laughs> I do struggle with like when I parked at the Broad Street Mall this morning I got in the lift and there was a beautifully sung rendition of Silent Night playing oh, playing out of the speakers oh, and I was just like it is still only 
mid-November. There's still was yeah. it six weeks to Christmas? It's early. And I'm I'm up for a bit of festive fun, and it's very difficult. Watch out, ladies. <laughs> 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 Sorry. You're perfectly safe. <laughs> um, but I, and it's very difficult not to get away from from Christmas when you work in local news because you start writing about it in in early November because people want to advertise things. But to hear like those kind of carols, Christmas mm. carols, you go to a Christmas carol service maybe the week before Christmas if you do that sort of thing. Yeah. To hear to hear Silent Night blaring at Broad Street Mall in the middle of November, it's not. I probably do sound a bit grumpy, but tiny bit. Have we, have we also, seen the decks in town yet? Are they? Are they I'm a bit. Good, I or? must admit, from what I've seen, I've been a tiny bit underwhelmed. But I've only seen oh. them in the daylight, so it's a bit difficult. They look alright. Um, they're the same as last year, so what I can understand. There's not much. The Oracle. Have they gone for it, or is it? I haven't seen the Oracle ones. Yeah, but they're you know. Nice, there are against. two things I hate about Christmas. Just two. Just two. Putting the decks up. And sprouts. No. Oh. Oh, putting the decks down. Taking the decks down. Oh. Two things I hate. Quite happy to enjoy them while they're up. Hate putting them up. Hate taking them down. But don't you make a whole thing of putting them up? That's when you've got to get a glass of something and... Uh, oh, I was going to say that out loud and then thought everyone will know my... Dirty secret, then. Uh, well, I'm afraid. I'm going to have to say it's it too now. late. Now. I was going to be. It, it sounds worse than it is, maybe. But uh, Michael Bublé has to go on. <laughs> um, that's right, just she's how cold. it is. It's Christmas. <laughs> the Bublé comes out. Oh dear. The decks go up, and I get jolly. That's how it rolls. <laughs> Tom has just touched upon an interesting, an interesting thing about Christmas. Is the uh, throughout the year. I avoid Brussels sprouts completely because as any sane rational person knows they disgust it. They are. And and but then then on Christmas Day, for some reason, someone feels the need to produce an enormous bowl full of Brussels sprouts <laughs> and go, Well you have to have Brussels sprouts at Christmas. Now, my understanding of Christmas, I could be wrong, is it's supposed to be a nice time of year, it's supposed <laughs> to be fun and you shouldn't have to be forced to do things you don't like, like eating disgusting yeah. green Brussels sprouts. And so, therefore, I would like to voice my opposition to this concept uh, that Christmas is a nice time of year and everyone should be happy and eating disgusting vegetables like Brussels sprouts should not be forced upon you. The grown-ups may like them. I I I do not refer to myself. No, me either. I must admit. uh, Like, my parents love them. So I think maybe it's a generational thing. It can be a generational thing. but the point we were forced... the point fed them when we were kids, and that's why we all hate them. Possibly, but the point stands that on Christmas Day you should not be forced to do anything you don't no, want to. But no, particularly, that is true. And there's plenty of other things to eat available. And it's that those who those mad people who like to eat Brussels sprouts can have their fill at my at my expense. I don't mind. I fry them with bacon, and then the bacon masks the sprouts. <laughs> I saw that there's a video, isn't there? We're saying this is the best way to eat Brussels sprouts, and someone there's like one of the speed of that video, someone boiling it, and then they put it in a bowl and they just open the bin. <laughs> that's my that's my preferred serving method. Just have something nice. So I I actually I've actually been out to Reading this week. So uh, yeah, I've been out. I've been out and about. Um, I went on Wednesday night. I went to the Reading University Comedy Society Club Do thing. 
and it's at the Turks once a month. Were you uh, performing? No, I no. was not performing. <laughs> I mean, even though I could take the show on the road. <laughs> I don't know what road. It'd be a very short road, I think. Um, More of a cold Yeah, it's, <laughs> maybe with a roundabout. Um, um, yeah, so it's so into that, and it's sort of open mic night. I think you have to sort of express an interest before you before you go, and it's a bit of an open mic thing. And uh, so there's you know no one no one you would have heard of particularly, but some some people from Reading, a few people from further afield, and all doing stand up, all doing stand up, yeah. And I was a bit wary, I must admit, because you know all of it was sort of unknown people. Um, actually, it was pretty good. It, it was there was some there was some real laughs. I laughed a lot at some. You get like sort of ten minutes to to do a little set. Um, it's you know it's, they they don't always know their stuff off by heart. So sometimes there's a little bit of a checking a note or something like that. It's not you know it's not polished by any stretch of the imagination. But it it was drew a reasonable crowd and it was there were some really good performers. Um, that takes that takes some guts. Doesn't it really it? does. Because if you're a singer. You, you sort of know if you're good or you're not. Yes, yeah. But yeah. if you're a comedian, you're kind of funny. You might not be yeah. everybody well, else's. Precisely. So. There was a couple of first timers. Um, they were announced as first timers, which I sort of thought maybe was a bit unfair. But if you're not announced as a first timer and you're not very good, is that I, I don't know. Mm. I, I'm sort of I'm a bit worried about saying that some of them are. You know, they weren't all to my taste. I'm a bit worried about. Not necessarily criticising, but you know, given sometimes the amateur, amateurity, amateur, amateurish nature, amateurish, amateurish nature of this very podcast, and the way that people may criticise us, I'm not going to really go out on a limb or anything. But it would just suffice to say there was there was enough good stuff in there to make it worth a visit, and it's free. So this and this was at the Turk, so that was it was just a really enjoyable evening, and it meant that me and the wife were able to get out and. Have a little laugh for a little bit. It was great. So, is it a paid event? No, no, just absolutely. Just turn up, turn up, and it's find a seat and just watch yeah, some comedy. Been there for ages. Been a long, quite long like time. It yeah, it's one of those pubs in Reading that's an awful lot bigger than you realise. Yeah, because it's so. got quite big. Well, it's like an event space yeah. at the back, isn't it? Yeah. Where the pool table Yes, exactly. Is. And that's that's yeah. where it was. So one one of the guys that um, we vaguely knew who was up there, he, he said it was quite a nice. It's quite a nice venue because you're on the same level as the rest of the pub, whereas normally they get put in the basement or in the roof or to, yeah. to do these comedy things. But this was actually just there. There's comedy on, and if you want to see it, you can see it. And if you want to have a chat at the front of the pub, you can do. So mm. uh, it was just really great. So. Well, that's monthly, is it? Yeah, well, monthly. I'd quite like to go to that. So we had a few, oh, I don't know, um, a few months ago we had uh, Rodders on from the Stand and Deliver Comedy Club. That's the one above uh, the Smoking Billy's uh, Ribs place on St Mary's Butts. And they, but they, he has more bookings. They have more, more known, more, more names kind of going to them. And that's once a month as well. So certainly may, may be worth, may be worth us going and having a little look at some of these, I think. Yeah, because I didn't even know those things happened because since the one the comedy club above was it called jonglers jonglers yeah. yeah since that went that was quite a few years yeah. ago quite a long time ago wasn't it um, yeah let me know when those are i will i will um, in advance though because as you discovered <laughs> i can week. no longer do the spontaneous nights out, apparently for some of the reasons we don't yet understand that you can't just go out for a drink so no um okay cheers guys now it's time for reading fact of the week Reading Fact of the Week. Hey Hugh, what have we got this time, facts? Fact this fans. Is, this is a nice one, it's uh, some 
ancient history from Reading. Some of the oldest human tools found in Britain were found off Grovelands Road. There is Grovelands Road. It's in West Reading. Uh, off Oxford Road. Yeah. Yes. Ah, lovely. Some of the oldest tools found in West Reading in the country. Yes, and a lesser known fact is that some of the second oldest tools in uh, in this part of the world are found in my dad's garden shed. In Sonny. In Sonny Common. Oh. Dating back many, 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 many <laughs> years. Perhaps not quite as old as these, these ones found in Grovelands Road, but certainly um, they're, they're about as basic, I imagine. And Going back quite a way. Thanks, Hugh. No that was Reading Fact of the Week. Uh, that is the end of part one. This is Fort Explains It All. Welcome back to part two of the Real Reading podcast. Uh, I am here with Hugh Fort and Rachel Nemeth. Um, it is now time for Fort Explains It All. You've heard the music. Um, let's cue Hugh, which is quite difficult to say. Hugh, what are we talking about? Shopping bags. Shopping bags. Okay, this sounds In, really interesting. Yeah, um, it's my, my list of preferred shopping bags based around all the supermarkets I go to. In all, is it? Yes. All in, in no particular order? In a, yes. Oh, okay. I'm about to put the boot into Asda and their flimsy <laughs> plastic. No, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> Thankfully, it's not that at all. No, this is the statue that used to be in Reading. Is it a statue or sculpture? It's a, um, it's a statue of a person. No, this was always, it's always known as the shopping bag statue. Okay. And it's called Baggage. And it was outside... The Broad Street Mall. Mal? What? Mal. Mall. Mal. Mall. Okay. Sorry, I'm just deliberately trying to throw you off. And um, quite a long time ago, we haven't actually been able to find out exactly when, but quite a long time, I asked my mother, who's a fountain of knowledge on this subject, and she said, helpfully said, oh yes, it must have been sometime between 2000 and 2014. <laughs> it's given me a nice 14-year <laughs> window. Of, um, so... Um, it's quite a long time ago, and it was. Um, there's a picture of it on our website. It's a sort of, I'd say maybe sort of waist height. It looks like people were sitting on it in the picture we've got, which is the only picture we had of it was in, <laughs> taken in 1996, which uh, which shows you how quite yeah. how long ago it was in town. Um, but one of the reasons it was taken away in the end was because people used it as a bin, an ashtray, and also apparently it kept on getting people kept on being sick on it after, <laughs> no, after nights nice. out in town um, nice. so it was taken away and put into the council storage um, but apparently it's coming back I've, I've heard this before it's been rumours that it's coming back uh, really? before, well, uh, definitely it's, before it's definitely, well it's almost certainly coming back and okay. it's basically there is a council has this list of on its a policy agenda for its meeting on Monday which is called Community Infrastructure Levy, which we, we talked about before. Basically, yeah. it's developers' money. So if you build houses in Reading, you have to give the council okay. a chunk of money to provide things like leisure facilities, uh, road improvements, yada, yada, yada. Um, and as part of various developments around the town, the council's got a bit of money to spend. And they, they propose in this... Um, it's a big, long list. It's not just this statue. Yeah. The statue is... Uh, contained on the list of things like road improvements um, and that sort of thing around the town, um, which we're going to look into further at some point. Up probably after the meeting, we'll probably publish the full list or yeah. certainly have a 
closer look at more projects. But this one jumped out at us. Um, and so that it's going to be, it's likely to go back outside the Broad Street Mall. Yeah. And it's going to cost 10 grand to do. Wow. How come? I don't know, unfortunately. Um, I guess there's some sort of logistics of getting it out of storage, yeah. fixing it to the ground. Um, I suppose, but that seems, that seems quite a lot of money. It's quite a lot, yeah. Let's find out, shall we? You, you mentioned yes. You mentioned in there uh, that the CIL could go to stuff like road improvements. Um, yeah. And I guess a lot of people commenting on this story, um, or having their say on this story, would be pointing out that why are we doing this? Why don't we just make the roads better? That is is that something? Uh, fair to say yes um, in terms of potholes pothole repairs the council has um, separate funds for that um, so all the repairs come out of one pot and this is this is you know CIL pays for loads and loads of stuff when I say road improvements it's things more like say if you live in Southcote and you think there's a um, the speed limit's wrong right you know or or um, and you need you need bollards or traffic islands and stuff like that. That's okay, what right. that's the sort of thing. Repairs are, are I believe, are separate to this. Um, I could be wrong, but there's there's nothing from what I could see in that list to say we're going to resurface yeah. xxx. So I know people's first response is always to say <laughs> it's always to say why don't they sort out the potholes? Yeah, but. I just want to cover that off. So it's like it's like lots of different bank accounts, essentially. The uh, and I don't think that this would necessarily cover that. So it's it's to to add things um, around the area. Yeah. The developer sort of the developer gets to build a hundred houses with say two hundred people coming to the area. So it's quite right for the government and the council to say look, you can't just build houses. You've got to yeah. provide a, like a community centre or something like that to mitigate that. And um, so this is the these, yeah. these are all from town centre development. So just ten grand seems like quite a lot, but at the same time, you know, there's millions of pounds of, of and it's not it's not public money. Yeah, it sort of becomes public money if you like because it comes, it comes from a developer and goes to the council, and the council decides what to do with it. Um, so yeah, so I think people of a certain age will know what this this statue is, but I think people who I guess are. Like, I vaguely remember it. I'm annoyed now that you've said of a certain age because I was going to go to Rach and go, "Hey, do you remember this?" No, no. <laughs> too young. No, I do. I mean, Hugh and I are similar age. I do vaguely remember it. I couldn't tell you where it was mm. previously, but when I saw the picture, I did. Yeah, I was. I was only reminded of it, it by after I saw the picture, um, and it was taken away. I don't so know where, where are they going to put it outside the Broad Street Mall? Yeah, it says, Which... says the junction of Oxford Road and St Mary's Butts. Okay. So, oh, so on okay. the corner, right on, yeah. on the corner, yeah, I don't okay. know exactly exactly where. Um, but my mother, when I spoke to her, was certainly very enthusiastic about it, and I've seen various people on Facebook um, sharing it as a sort of kind of nostalgic thing. Look what's coming back. So we're perhaps not. Even at our great age now, we're perhaps not not quite old enough to really remember it on all its glory. No. But, um, 
don't think yeah, it's so, a bad thing. It's not. No, they're no, not no, purchasing this. Thing no, and it's arguable. What's the point in having all this stuff in storage? You know, what I mean, yeah. they've also got this massive coat of arms in storage as well, which used to be in the old council chamber, uh, right. which is, um, which is another thing that that um, people have been asking about. The guy I spoke to, Richard Stainthorpe, who is a former councillor, um, his kind of thing since he left the council is to ask can ask what's happening to all this old sort of heritage stuff he thinks it'd be really good to have at the train station mm-hmm. as a kind of welcome to Reading um, that hasn't happened yet because the train station is not owned by the council it's owned by Network Rail so getting getting stuff done is a little yeah. bit more logistically complicated so um, that's still in storage we'll have to wait and see what happens to that but I imagine it's, there's a cost to it all and there's a cost to keeping stuff in storage yeah. and I imagine the council's quite keen to use all this stuff eventually. So. Is there a big warehouse somewhere then with, in with a place heritage council stuff? Nostalgic yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like really massive heavy things. I imagine so. I don't know what's in there but it might be worth it might be worth yeah, going to have a look. Out. Yeah, yeah, find out where it is. It's in Darwin Close in Reading. I know that. Um, we could go down there and just point stuff out and go, oh my God, yeah, get we, that We out. could, yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's no money? What? Yeah. We'll just get a wheelbarrow. It feels a little bit like when you go into the loft at your mum and dad's house and you just go, oh, oh wow, yeah. Nice. Get and get loads of stuff out, make a huge mess and then go home. Yeah. Get your old dad's old record player yeah. out. Uh, <laughs> did you ever have a bagatelle? Do you know what a bagatelle is? Nope. Nope, this is going to fall flat. <laughs> isn't it? Toy shop in it's Henley. A, it's a very old game where you push balls around a wooden board and you have to try and get them in holes. No. Great wow! I think people will know what it is. I, You're older than I thought. If anyone has ever heard, that game. if anyone has ever heard of this game, my grand, please one. do write in. Um, Jeremy will be along later to remind us of how you can all write in. Is it of the same ilk as Shavatni? <laughs> what do was you know the one? That one. What was the one with the stick and the the loop? That you oh had? yeah, <laughs> yeah, in the 1850s. Yes, I, I'm a massive fan of Victorian <laughs> games, actually, funny enough, Tom. With the, the little... Um, the <laughs> oh, we could go on. I'll challenge you to a game of cup and ball later on, if you like. <laughs> that doesn't sound very pleasant. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, that's it. The, the shopping bag statue is likely to come back unless this entire list of, um, of improvements to various parts of the town gets voted down and they decide not to do it, which is... Can't really see can I anything. can I just ask one question that occurs to me? Why do we know why there is a statue of the shopping bags? Um, no, I, I it was made by the artist Jenny Eden and was originally commissioned by Tesco and was first of all outside outside the uh, Tesco in Napier Road. So oh, okay. I'm guessing it has a shopping theme because it was paid for by okay. Tesco. Right. So yes, right. I do actually. <laughs> <laughs> Is this another sad case of you uh, not reading the story again before? Uh... No, I no. Okay, fine. No, I wrote it. Oh dear. Okay. Um, thank you very much, Hugh, for that. Um, that was rather marvellous. Um, hopefully, everybody now has an opinion on the shopping bag statue. Um, it is now time for our interview with Alistair Coleman from Angry People in local newspapers. Roll the tape. Hey everybody, I am here with Alistair Coleman, who, um, if you aren't familiar with the name, he is the man behind a Facebook phenomenon, um, 240,000 likes, if you haven't seen it already, um, angry people in local newspapers. Welcome Alistair, how are you? Fine, thank you very much. Um, now, you have a book out, but before we come to the book, um, I w- can you explain to our listeners 
What is angry people in local newspapers? Angry people in local newspapers is uh, what you might call long seal. It's exactly what it says on the tin. It's uh, a Facebook page and a blog, and now a book, which you can buy in all good bookstores. Uh, we've just been around rearranging it, some of the books. Been, yes, we have. Uh, <laughs> it's about those photographs you see in your local newspaper of somebody who's upset because they've trod in dog poo, the council haven't emptied their bins, they found something nasty in their burger, and instead of complaining to the people where you should really get results, <laughs> they instead go to their local newspaper and point angrily at the thing that's made them cross. <laughs> now, how long have you been running Angry People? I've been those? doing it for nearly 10 years now, and it, it, it has taken over my life. Uh, it is a labour of love, and it's, I laugh at, laugh at some of the stuff that people send me in every single day. I mean, it is a total joy. <laughs> so, um, are we allowed to talk about what you do in a, in a professional life? Oh, God, yes, yes, what, yes. What's your professional I, uh, I am actually a journalist. I work for uh, the BBC in London. I used to work at BBC Monitoring in Caversham Park, but as you probably know, we moved the editorial services up to Broadcasting House earlier this year. I used to, until very, very recently, be the analyst for North Korea, which, <laughs> which took me off on all sorts of tangents, yeah. and I'm probably on a great big list somewhere in Pyongyang for enemies of the state. Uh, but now I work uh, in a thing called Beyond Fake News, and we're uncovering and analysing fake news, which is such a big thing at the moment. So, and how how does that how does that sort of fit with with what you're doing with angry people in local newspapers? Is it is there any crossover there? Is there it is a bit, yes. I mean, I'm, it's, I didn't really care that much about local press when I first started it, but now I'm absolutely passionate about your local newspapers. Uh, glad to see Get Reading is still going from strength to strength. Also, we've got the Reading Chronicle in town as well, and it's great to see them still in print. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Good. Yes, as you know, Get Reading doesn't yeah. have a newspaper anymore, unfortunately. Yes, yes. Uh, it's also linked to uh, uh, Get Surrey, around where I live. Yeah. I actually live in Fleet, uh, but I've, I was born and born in London, but brought up in Reading in yeah. Twyford. Uh, and, yeah, I'm absolutely passionate about local newspapers now because they are the truth of every your everyday life. Yeah. Uh, People read newspapers because they want to engage with what's going on in their local town or village and they want to know what's going on and local journalists are a very, very important link there. They, they certainly are. I couldn't agree more with you there, Alistair. Um, you said you sort of, before we came on the podcast, before we started, uh, started chatting, you were sort of, sort of saying you sort of grew up in, in Reading and yeah. had some interesting jobs. What, what sort of things did you do? Where could we have found a young Alistair Coleman? You could have found a young Alistair Coleman. My first real job was as a paperboy uh, delivering, uh, my brother did the Reading Post, the yeah. Evening Post back in the day, and I did the morning round. So <laughs> I, I was I was I was a poor guy who got the maidenhead advertiser on, on on Fridays, which was something like 140 pages to fit through tiny tiny little letter boxes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, my first job in in Reading itself was uh, for Presto in in. Right. Uh, on Friar Street, down, soon down to, Friars Walk. In Friars, soon to be demolished Friars Walk, I believe. Yeah, yeah uh, I, I, I do know that they did do the, the zombie hunting down yes. there, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, I, I think there's some of the original Presto staff still down oh, there. really? Yeah. Those were very strange times there because I, I, I actually, my, my job was as the trolley boy. Right. So I got to know every single wino in Reading. And <laughs> lovely, lovely chaps. Uh, because the the the, the fires walk 
uh, car park went down to several basements, which was beautifully warm down there. So yeah, they, 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 there'd be a nest yeah. where all, all the homeless people used to live. And they were charming, charming people. And they'd let me have my trolleys back sometimes. <laughs> oh, so you, you had to actually go and sort of... Wrangle them. Yeah, wrangle just get them these things back. And stop people walking off with them. And <laughs> yeah, there, there were days when there'd be about four left. Wow. And, and you get stuck in the lift. <laughs> um, so, so, so just to talk about um, angry people in local newspapers. What, there's obviously, there's been a few stories from Reading. I know yes. one of them in particular inspired... Yes, the, the, uh, very, the very first story that made me sit up... Uh, and think, you know what? I'm going to do a blog of these. Was <laughs> uh, was naked naked gardener putting yeah. off sausages for life, which was from 2009, something like that. Yeah, yeah 2009. Yeah. Uh, it, it is a very strange news story about uh, a, a very nice uh, lady who still lives in Tilehurst, I understand, who uh, who who was shocked to see her neighbour constantly outside gardening in the buff. <laughs> to the point, and she did tell the, the tell the reporter, "We've never been able to track down the photographer, by the way." Oh right, and uh, yeah, uh, for the, for the obvious reason that the photograph was, was of, of um, Denise, and she was holding uh, a fork, yeah, with a raw sausage on it, with a look of utter horror on her face, <laughs> and it was such a perfect photo. Uh, you, you've got to track it down. We couldn't actually get the photo for the book, oh, so no. so instead. I paid somebody to draw it. <laughs> Fantastic. So you actually got the artist's impression yeah. of a woman staring at a sausage on a fork with a look of horror on her face. And it is, it is a beautiful thing. This, this will be of almost no interest to listeners whatsoever, but uh, Hugh came down, Hugh Fork came down just to say hello earlier. Um, we've actually all been locked out of the old photo system that we had from, from back in the old days, which is probably why we can't find yes. it, uh, which is a real shame. Yes, uh, the uh, yeah, I think I think Mirapix have got it or whatever they are. Okay. So you have to you have to ask them very nicely, and they'll and they'll they'll let you have a copy. I think there's some people in in the same newspaper group of you who have actually accessed it, so you can ask right. them. Okay. Yes. We might well <laughs> maybe go and have edit a look. that bit out, but you know, <laughs> we'll keep it. it in. This is how newspapers work. That's the yeah, well, this this is the thing. So so uh, talking about how newspapers work, how how do you get round to writing a book? How does write how does writing a book come together? Talk me through the process. Yeah. Um. It's I, I do feel rather guilty about the way this book came about because I have a friend who has been a writer for many years. Yes. Okay. And she has struggled for these many years to get a book deal and I'm really pleased that she's got a, a series of children's book coming out next year but instead for me I got an email saying hi we're Penguin would you like to write a book <laughs> <laughs> and we'll pay you money for it yeah. and you know so so I, I'm not your average author because I've, I've self-published some books before uh, with, with varying degrees of success no success at all <laughs> and uh, yeah so so for, for penguin i'm really thankful to them for for uh, for doing this they they gave me something like 5 months to write write right. it and i delivered it back in march and then we spent another 6 months rewriting it <laughs> <laughs> and i've been going around uh, local newspapers all over the country asking for their permission to use photos and use use the text of their stories and and some of them have been absolutely brilliant i mean yeah. you know, Get Reading have been fantastic. Uh, well, the whole of the whole of the Reach PLC, which Get Reading is part of, yeah. have been fantastic, and a few other papers have been great. Uh, some have been not so great, and I'm not going to name <laughs> names uh, because you know uh, 
you, you insult somebody going up, you'll meet them again coming yes. down again. But uh, yeah, some have been terrible, so and and they're not in the book. Right. Okay. So and that's their loss, really. So did you made some choices? You made. I, some... I did have to make some choices. There were some very very good stories which I couldn't use because right. one or two editors got a bit sniffy. So so I, I guess in in one way or another, really, what, I suppose if I'm looking at it, I'm thinking at the end of the day, you're driving a lot of traffic to their website am, and posting yes, it on yes. your, your page. So it seems a bit of a shame that they haven't yeah. allowed you to. Yeah, there, there, there are some newspapers that haven't quite caught on to the idea of uh, the internet. Uh, well, yes, yeah, but yeah, while, while others have uh, angry people in local newspapers, if I get a good viral story can send over 10,000 new readers to a newspaper. I did one the other day, and unfortunately it wasn't actually a link, it was just a photo, and it's had something like 4 million views. So that's yes. that's how many potential yeah. people are out there to read a newspaper. And, and because they rely on these numbers for advertising and all yeah. sorts of things, it's great news for, for local newspapers. And I have met some editors. I met, remember this thing last week. Yes. Uh, we, we met the editor of, of the Nottingham Post. Yes. And, and she... And, she wasn't exactly swooning at my feet, but <laughs> she was very thankful for, for, the, for the numbers yes. that we sent. And, you know, it's, I didn't set out to do that in any way at all. Uh, but now it, it's become so important for newspapers to get, get themselves yeah. out there that uh, I really do like to help people out. And, and I have some, some editors and I have some journalists who, who are... Who are my spotters? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we'd, I think we'd better address this, really. Yeah. We? So, yes. so I did ask for some questions, um, and uh, for, and I imagine these are people that probably know you on our on our Twitter feed at Real Reading Pod. I did ask for any questions, and uh, Newman twenty eighteen uh, says, "Does he suspect that's, that's you, Alistair? Does Alistair Hello. suspect that subeditors deliberately concoct ludicrous stories and submit them themselves to APION?" Say that again. Uh, yes. uh, in desperate attempts to increase visitor numbers to their website. If so, has he ever been able to approve it? To prove it? Yeah, uh, I wouldn't say that they concoct stories uh, because that would be a bad thing and fake news. And my job is uncovering fake news. Uh, what we do have instead are editors knowing that if it's got a good photo on there, yeah. that I will invariably cover it, yeah. and they will then send it in themselves so what it's actually done is it's probably arrested a slight decline uh, well a big decline in photographers going out to take photos because yeah. they were quite used uh, quite um, used to instead taking people's photos off facebook yeah or using using stock photos but now we're actually getting once again we're getting a revival in, yeah. in newspaper photography where they're, they're actually going out to have the angry photo and as artistic as possible, please. <laughs> yes. Uh, pointing at the thing that's made them angry. Yeah. Or if the thing that's making them angry has been stolen or is not there, pointing to an empty space. <laughs> that, that, is, that is how it works. We, we, we genuinely do get uh, newspapers sending in their own work because they know it's good for traffic and it's good for awareness for their titles. Yeah. And you know they, what they want is people to go out either view on the website or buy the physical newspaper yeah. because that's saving jobs. Yeah. So <clears throat> I suppose it's maybe slightly an awkward question, but is, it, is there ever a time where you get something and you think, I'm not going to post this because I know what sort of comments I'm going to get? Every day. Uh, I have an increasingly long list of uh, topics which, no matter how good the photo, yeah. uh, the, the story will get certain people being the worst people in the world yeah. on them. Uh 
did one by mistake last night. Uh, we don't do poverty porn, for yeah. example. You know, people people living packed in houses, pointing at a, a leak in the ceiling yeah. because people always find some way to fault them, especially if they've got a lot of kids. Yeah. Uh, another one is travellers. That always brings out the racists. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I do have to be very careful what I put in because e- even yeah, I, sometimes I make mistakes, and I know I make mistakes. But you know, it's we do it for laughs. Uh, we don't like punching down because that's that's not very nice. We like to punch up at authority, or, or sometimes punch sideways a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, and I, I, I guess it's, so. Does that does that make it make the job harder? Does it make it more interesting? Or is it just is it just educated you? In, I've, in I've been educated really. Uh, you know, sometimes if I'm in doubt, I'll ask I'll ask somebody near me. Do you think I should do this? Yeah. And if I find myself actually asking myself, should we be doing this? If the answer is probably no. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I get over a hundred a day now. Uh, <sighs> <laughs> and a lot of you, you can tell when there's a really really good story out there because the inbox has exploded yeah. and you know and, and then I just had to put spotter coal on everybody yes uh, so how how do you um, how, how do you find time to deal with this I uh, mean so on, yeah. on an average day what what sort of how many inboxes might how many emails or, or uh, Facebook messages yeah might I, you I, I do encourage Facebook messages uh, Facebook messages because it's so much easier to yeah. handle uh uh, so I can just set it to just show me ones I haven't looked at, yeah. um, and, and then I can just go through. I, I do sometimes get lazy and just send people in reply the thumbs up. That's <laughs> not because I, I do read every single one. Is it so? The thumbs up is just the easiest yeah. way. It's easier than typing thanks. Yes, and then clicking on send. Because, yeah. yeah, and uh, yeah. So a lot of them are, are duplicates. So the first yeah. person to get one. I'll, I'll put them up as a spotter or the first two or yeah. three people um, you know and I can, I can I can judge usually from the headline that it that whether it's a, a good one or, yeah. or not interested in uh, the, the number of ones we get where people said this is a funny story but there's no photo oh. yeah it's 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 a visual it's a visual medium yeah. people it's a vi- that's why yes it's a visual medium, or yeah, uh, I don't take from from some titles because I that's just a personal preference. Yeah. The Sun and the Mail, but strangely, I do from Metro, <laughs> even though they are the Daily yeah. Mail and and the Daily Mirror because I like them. It's a little bit of a moral maze. There but, is a bit know, of a moral maze, there. but yeah, but so, certain newspapers I will, you know, and I will take national papers if the story is good enough. Yeah, because it's the way it goes. Sometimes there's a, there's a local newspaper story. But they've bypassed the local news altogether yeah. and gone gone to gone to an agency. So are you, are you one of these rare people in this modern modern age who actually has a lunch break because you have to? Yes. Is it an hour spent? Just it is an hour spent. Yeah. I also fill my my, my lunch breaks. I've got I've, because because I work for BBC monitoring. I, I fill my lunch breaks uh, watching a Russian cop. So yes, I've had yeah. There were a couple of questions about that. Do you prefer uh, Martin Clunes cop or is it Carol Vorderman cop? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to. This is going to mean absolutely <laughs> nobody listening to this. I am obsessed with the tea time. Uh, cop soaps they show on Russian television. I don't speak Russian that well, yeah. hardly at all. But uh, the, the first one I got into was called uh, Morozova, but the real star of it was a cop who looked exactly like Martin Clunes. <laughs> so I called it Martin Clunes Cop, and I started naming all the other characters after after vaguely famous people. The the, the, 
the uh, the criminal always always looked exactly like Al Murray, and so Al Murray was in on the <laughs> yeah, joke as yeah. well. And that finished a couple of weeks ago. And there's another one started. It's called Duet of the Right. Right. And it's about two female detectives in a in a regional town somewhere in Russia. They have not said where it is, uh, but they are both the living spitting image of Carol Vorderman. <laughs> and so that's called Carol Vorderman Cop. Carol Vorderman has found out about it. Uh, right. <laughs> Bless her, she thinks it's hilarious. And so all the, her boss in this, it, it looks like look, radio's Dr. Fox. So right. He's, he's Dr. Fox. Neil, cop. was it Neil? Neil Dr. Fox. Yes. Neil Fox. And uh, yeah, I, I, spend, I spend about and my, my lunch hour, uh, I, I run out down to Greg's or to, or, to, or to the noodle bar around the corner, yeah. come legging it back with me Neil deal <laughs> and watch this thing and, and I, I tend to live tweet it about two or three times a week yeah. uh, it, it utter madness <laughs> I don't know why I do it it is utter madness would you, would you say um, so I suppose in a way social media actually has probably changed your life a little bit or it, at least it made has you... yeah I mean I was an early adopter I, 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 I started blogging in 2002 yeah. and I won the first ever Guardian blog of the year and I was the first person to win the Guardian Blog yeah. of the Year and not get an enormous media deal out of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so I've been doing this sort of thing for most of my adult life, and yeah. I should know better by now, but I'm still doing it. I, I get, the last sort of thing I, want, I guess I wanted to ask, really, do, do, you get, do you get negative feedback? How do you deal with that? If, yeah, if someone's cross about something? Yeah, I do. Uh, if somebody contacts us and they're in a story on angry people in local newspapers and they don't want it on the page, yeah. it immediately comes down. Uh, because I don't want to get into arguments with people. There is enough terrible people on the internet as it is without me being one. Yeah. Uh, if I get complaints about tasteless comments or, or of course, the line in posting a story which, which should actually be on my ban list, I will take it down because I don't want to be a ter- that yeah. terrible person. So, yeah, uh, some media organisations don't apologise and they don't back down. Uh, I am a tiny, tiny media organisation <laughs> that is one man, sometimes two. <laughs> and, and, yeah, I will, I will always, always apologise if, if, if I've annoyed people because it's not, it's not worth the hassle getting into fights. Yeah. Uh, you have one very famous yeah. uh, post, and it's a chap called Ron. Poor old Ron. Poor Ron. Poor old Ron. This isn't local. He's from no, Manchester. He's from Stockport in Manchester. He is a gentleman who uh, has, on multiple occasions several years ago, received very large bills from Virgin Media, uh, itemised for adult films. Uh, he's in his 70s. Uh, he's a gentle old bloke. Uh, he's got a uh, wife called Anne. And they, they're basically... In a fight with Virgin Media yeah. over let, let's let's not let's not put too fine a point on it. Late night scud, which claims he did not watch. <laughs> um, the big problem here is that he has an expression in his uh, in the in the press photograph, which looks like they know you know. <laughs> well, well, Anne's holding up the bill with a very stern look yeah. on her face in their living room in front of a, a Virgin Media um, index screen on their TV. He's standing behind her with a look of utter horror on his face. <laughs> uh, it's led a lot. It, it, it has become a meme on the internet. Uh, the poor chap. He, I, I do know somebody who knows somebody, and he is aware of his fame. Right. And he's okay with it. I understand. So, but uh, yeah, he, he's he, he turns up any, anywhere. With, uh, you know, uh, 
if we ever have a story about somebody who's had an unwarranted bill, picture yeah, on. Yeah, picture wrong. He's our mascot, he's a lovely chap, and I am convinced that he is innocent. Are you? Utterly, <laughs> utterly convinced that somehow Virgin Media, on several occasions over a number of years, have, have accidentally charged him for films he hasn't watched. Well, he's definitely in as good. He's okay. definitely in. I don't. I don't want to insinuate any other way. He's. He's. He seems a lovely bloke, a, a genuine bloke. And people. People who have met him know him. Yeah. Say he's a lovely bloke, and he. he, he they, they. They sent him through hell, and uh, hope he's got a sky dish now. <laughs> um, Alistair, it was lovely to meet you. Um, yes. Your book is out. It there, isn't out. It's out now. By the time this goes out. Yes. But it, when did it? When did it come out? It came out officially on the fifteenth, but uh, it's been in shops for for a couple of days now. And how much is it priced? It is nine ninety nine. You can get it cheaper online. I, I've seen I've seen it as low as seven pounds on wow. wordery.com Oh, okay. So, so buy your copies from there. Uh, there's signed copies at the moment in Waterstones in, on Broad Street. I don't know how long that will last. Uh, if you keep moving them around, they we might. keep moving. We keep moving around them, and they're sticking at the front. <laughs> and yeah, or well, if you work in London, there's uh, uh, there's various Waterstones there, yeah. which are, which I'm going in, scrawling my name on the front, and then running away. Also, <laughs> <laughs> lovely to meet you. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. was the interview we did with Alistair Coleman from the Facebook group and now book Angry People in Local Newspapers. Hugh, have you got anything in Angry People in Local Newspapers? Uh, I had a look. No, there are some Get Reading stories um, in there, but they're not mine. Including the one that started it all, which was the um, the lady and the, yes, uh, the man who put her off her sausages, off which sausages, <laughs> yes. Alistair and I talk about at length in the interview. So, yes, that's, um, um, that's, that's the one. Um, that wasn't me. I would expect at some point I've been on the website yes uh, or the Facebook page but I didn't make the cut for the book oh, which is a shame that's a real shame it would have been that would have been lovely you'd have actually you know you'd have probably sold more copies than all of your father's books <laughs> put together <laughs> and then I could really run it yeah. noted Twyford author Twyford Sonny Common Sonny Common author 100, 100 yards down the road from where we live now which is great so the Common's getting a lot of coverage today. It, it is. Probably more than actually on any website, I suspect. Well, that's my stomping ground, too. Oh, well. Well, my old stomping ground. Maybe, uh, From my youth. Do you reckon uh, our numbers in Sonning Common are up? Probably. Well, I did do a new story from there this week as well about a planning appeal, which they, oh, okay. they were celebrating as well. So Okay, well. Mm. Sonning Common. Right, okay. It is, uh, just to put an end to that, uh, it is random question time. Okay. The random question. So, guys, uh, I have got the I Love Reading mug. We have got a couple of new questions in there. Um, let's see, I can't remember whose go it was. Why don't you have a turn? Shall I pick one? Okay. Pick a good one. Pick a good one. You can hear that's the sound of the questions in genuine. the mug. Absolutely genuine. It's not like that time where I rigged it, so Jenny would if have it, to answer a question not, about it. What is it your favourite Sonic Common based hardware store? I'm going to kick uh-huh. off. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about this one earlier uh, when you when you put it in, um, and it feels quite apt. Although we definitely haven't rigged it. No. Um, I know you both have answers to this one. So the uh, the question is: What is the coldest you have ever been? In Reading. In Reading. Oh, yes. Right. Well, I know I need to go first and answer that. Okay. Go on then. Because Hugh will just 
pinch my answer but be more specific. Okay. There is nothing colder than an evening game at Reading. <laughs> it doesn't matter if I like wore eight hundred layers, my feet would still feel like yeah. they were gonna fall off. And there's a condition called I think it's called Reynards or something, where you like blood flow is restricted into your extremities and they go all white and Ooh. quite well, I don't know if it's painful or numb. One or the other. Um, but I don't suffer from that. I, I know friends who do. But I had it at football because oh. I got so cold. And the ends of all my fingers from the joint, the second joint up, went white. And it was quite incredible so because... cold. You went. You used to go to Reading at a time when there was warmth both on the pitch and off the pitch. Towards the team and the club. Oh, well, yes. <laughs> Whereas now it's, um, it's cold. In the end, I had to get, because um, my husband used to manage the Cotswold outdoors, so he used to be able to get those, you know, those hand warmer things yeah, that you yeah. crack the little metal thing inside. Uh, so I used to get those and put them in my shoes, <laughs> because I just couldn't bear it. My feet, it was painful. You not just get a nice steaming hot cup of Bovril at half time. That's not going to warm my feet up. It would do if you stood on it. Actually, the interesting thing about a football club, drinks in general is that they're I don't know how they do it but they're far hotter than <laughs> boiling point and I don't know if it's because you're really really cold when you get them but like you just they're so hot you can't hold them and my mate got a coffee once at half time at the Badeski and I'm pretty sure he wasn't able to drink it almost by the end of the match because it was so hot it was I don't know how it, they must have these super powered urns in the um, in the vans there and uh but yeah, it's um, unbelievably hot, that stuff. <laughs> well, then Hugh, what's your coldest you've Hugh. ever been? Actually, I've remembered another one since we've been talking you? about something. And this is a tale of complete youthful idiocy by me, to the point where I very nearly got myself in serious trouble. These are the best. Um, I, It was December, and... It was starting like a proper uh, yeah. story, isn't it? It in, was late December. Some, do we need some background music? <laughs> yeah. Oh, then by this point in the podcast, there will be, don't we? Um, it was, it was. I think it was December. Me and my mates were going out in Reading, and I seem to remember the weather being initially cold, but not very cold. And I just thought, I don't want to be carrying a coat round with me all night. So I thought, I'm just getting, you know, get the bus into town. We'll be in, we'll be in Basel all, all night. It'll be fine. And um, so I just wore, I wore a short sleeve shirt <laughs> into town. And um, we had our night, I can't remember anything about the night out at all, um, but we came back to Burfield. That means it was a good one. Came back to Burfield Common, where I, was, where I grew up, and we got dropped off in the taxi, and to save money, we decided not to do to get taken to our houses. We got dropped off at the central point um, in the village, which is about 10 minutes' walk from my parents' house. And between me leaving and me, I think, coming back from Reading, the most ferocious freezing wind had <laughs> whipped up and I remember walking home like down this basically down one road and walking home down the main road in Burfield and just thinking I am so cold I I am just the kind I felt like I don't I, I remember thinking if I don't get home soon I'm going to be in serious trouble and because <laughs> I was really drunk as well and um so I just carried on walking, carried on plodding on and getting colder and colder. And then just fortunately, this saintly taxi driver 
just drove past, saw my plate, and uh, gave me a lift home for free. <laughs> and did you have icicles hanging off your beard and stuff? <laughs> I, I didn't have a beard. I was going to say, there's no way. <laughs> I, was, I think I was at about eighteen or possibly even seventeen. Um, and I remember thinking, even that, you know, when you're, you're that sort of age, you think, oh yeah, you know, everything's all right. I'm, I'm, I'm nothing can bad can happen to me. But I remember getting home and just thinking. That was really, really, really stupid. <laughs> Why didn't I take a coat or at least a jumper or something? Yeah. Just because I didn't want to have to worry about my coat in, in the bars or everything like that. And as a result, I think I've probably very nearly got hypothermia. <laughs> and, um, <So> dramatic. <laughs> yeah, it was probably about seven or eight degrees. <laughs> but that's, that's the coldest I've ever been. And I would, and a, and a warning for any idiotic young men out there who think oh it's not that bad I'll be alright in just a short sleeve shirt I know yeah this isn't the north this isn't the north we're all very sensible and middle class in this part of the world and we can't go out wearing short sleeve shirts in the dead of winter leave that to those roughy toughians I remember working in Newcastle quite a few years ago uh, and it was January and snowing and the people were just out on a night out you know I don't want to sound old, but they were hardly wearing anything. Yeah. It was crazy. We were kind of hat and scarves and gloves and coats and thermals. This must be cold, as cold as the North Pole. It's like that scene in Titanic. It's, um, it's interesting, you go back to the football thing though. Um, without fail, however cold it was, you always used to see at least one or two people wearing shorts. Oh, and there's always games. some yeah. big bloke topless, <laughs> isn't there? Not, yeah, but at Reading, not, yeah. not even at Newcastle. Yeah, at Reading. <laughs> oh man. Um, the other coldest I've ever been was the one I was originally going to do is I went to see Reading Rugby Club play against Saracens in the Cup. Well, the Cup doesn't exist anymore. So this must have been about, I think I was a kid, '95, something like yeah. that, and it was just horribly cold. And I can't remember anything about the match apart from the fact that Saracens had a player whose name was Muna Abongalami, which was just the nice. most marvellous name that struck me, that stuck with me forever. And he was enormously fast. And he scored about four or five tries, I think, and uh, <laughs> just was far faster than all, all the other blokes playing for Reading. I maintain that the coldest I have ever been is any time in the deepest winter stood on a platform at Reading Station. Now, as we previously discussed, we love Reading Station. It's fantastic. But when you're stood up there in the morning, waiting for your train that may or may not come, um, it's just um, it's bitingly cold because it's just raised slightly, and the biting wind just goes through it. And oh, it's so cold! It's so, 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 so cold. Is it colder than Bratnell Town Centre used to be? The old Bratnell Town Centre where oh, the wind used to whip around. There. I like, did, yes, around the old 3M yeah. building. And I, I remember seeing something, when they knocked that down, I remember someone said, is it a bit less windy around here? <laughs> <laughs> because the, the wind yeah, the wind had nothing to whip around anymore. Box um, pops in yeah. Bratnell Town Centre <laughs> in February. That's one of the joys we used to have as young reporters. <laughs> yeah, Reading Station is definitely colder than Bratnell Town Centre. Coldest football ground? Stoke. Stoke is freezing. Is. I, I think it's generally a cold place, but the ground seems to be designed for the wind to just whip around, probably helping those long throws they used to do. I went to Rochdale once. That was cold. <laughs> it was so, so very cold. A few weeks ago, I also went to um, Mangotsfield United out in um, out towards Bristol. 
and I it was it'd still been quite warm during the day and I went to the game in the evening just in my work shoes and and, uh, and a pair of and a pair of work trousers and I didn't quite realise how cold it was going to get in the evening. It went to extra time. I had to leave before extra time started. It was so cold. I was just like. Oh, I wouldn't normally do this, but I'm so cold. I need to you go. You just go to random football matches. Yeah, quite a lot. Yes, yeah. Just yeah. watch football. Yeah, quite a lot. Fair enough. Cheers, guys. Okay, um, Jeremy. If you enjoy our prattlings about Reading, and if you've come this far, we assume you must be. Please hit subscribe on your podcast app to get the latest episode every Monday morning. You can find us on Twitter at Real Reading Pod and search Facebook and Instagram for Real Reading Podcast. You can also email getreading at reachplc.com. Thanks, Jeremy. Um, if you know anyone who you think would be great to interview for the podcast, please do let us know. The only prerequisite is that they must live or work in the town, and most importantly, they must love Reading. Um, that is it for this week. Uh, I haven't decided yet whether it'll be hickeys or double barrel next week, but look out for that. Ooh, there's a cliffhanger. Well, you could sing that. I just did. Yeah. Could clip it and play it all the time. Um, so we don't have that many cliffhangers. No, no, we don't. We should, we should do work on more. Really, that would be quite. A, yeah. Will they make it? Who knows? Probably. Um, okay. Thanks, guys. See you next week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. See you in a week. Oh, tell your friends because the numbers aren't looking very good at the moment. Please. Thanks. Bye. Bye. You're listening to the Real Reading podcast. We apparently live in a society where people who go to festivals need to be told that putting their sleeping bags down the toilet is not a, not, not a very good idea. Did you ever watch that program uh, Hunted on Channel yes. 4? Yes, that Did was you brilliant. See the yes. one where the guy came out of Reading Station yeah. and chased him all through Reading, yeah. all along the canal. Yes, that was brilliant.